Hi, listeners. I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is a podcast series that brings together subject matter experts, community leaders, and local stakeholders to raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about the Cobb Collaborative's focus areas. Today, we are delighted to welcome Stacy Georges to our program. Stacy is the founder and CEO of Special Needs Respite, which we're going to learn a whole lot about. I'm very excited about that. But before we dive into that part of our conversation, Stacy, can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Sure. Um, I grew up out in the rural area of Indiana, and I went to Purdue University. And actually, what's amazing is I'm still using that degree that I got when I was 22, when I'm, <laughs> I won't even say how old I am now. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of amazing that that was what I picked. I mean, it took several changes. Don't get me wrong. I, I okay. had several majors, but um, I ended up with recreation therapy. And I always liked working with special needs people, helping them enjoy their lives, getting over the hurdles that they faced, etc. So um, I worked in rehab, physical rehab, hospitals and nursing homes. And now after I've had my children, I'm mostly focused on special needs children and the families that are managing their lives. Yeah. Wow. So when did you migrate from Indiana to the great state of Georgia? How long have you been here? Okay. We came here um, when my son was, okay. So he was born 1995. Okay. We, we came in 1995. And he's 28 now. So I guess I've been here 28 years. <laughs> so you guys slid in right before the Olympics, which I think was just such a big change in the metro area. We we moved here. It was just my husband and I at the time in 91. And people talked about the traffic and we were like, ah, oh, it's nothing. And then after the Olympics, it just never, um, you know, it was just a different city, I think, after that. Um, some of that is good. Some of that is not so great, but <laughs> yes, I, well, I remember, I remember they were warning us, you know, get out of town, rent your house. Yeah, You're never yeah. going to get to work. Work. I do remember that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you again, Stacy, for joining us on the show. I'm excited about our conversation. So you have a background in this and you have passion for this, but what led you to um, finally end up founding or establishing an organization that is specifically focused on providing respite for families that have a family member with a developmental, intellectual, physical disability, um, uh, a special needs? I'll let you elaborate if you have any concentrations or um, focus areas. Yes. Well, um, the funny version is that my children were so hard on babysitters and my husband's family was from Ohio. Mine was from Indiana. And even if they were here, it was hard on <laughs> the grandparents. So uh -huh. um, I saw that as a really hard thing on our marriage because we could never go out, you know, mm -hmm. like on a date. I won't tell you how many times we we threatened to come back and, you know, all that yeah. stuff. But yeah. Um, then also when I, um, when my kids were in school, they needed IEPs. And that's okay. when I started meeting other moms of special needs kids. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't like to say my kids are special needs because they're both living independently. And that's not fair to people that have a child with autism that will be with them for the rest of their lives. So I want to make that clear. But it did give me enough of a taste that I have this passion that parents are not expecting. Nobody's have, expecting to have a special needs child, right? Yeah. And this could be, you know, two people that that um, both have college degrees, they work really hard, and they're established in the community, and then they have a special needs child. All of a sudden, they don't feel welcome at church. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can't hold down a job because they have to take the child to so many doctor's appointments. And it just completely changes the life that they once had. Mm -hmm. um, So any support that we can provide, I think will help strengthen the family. And when we strengthen the family, then we can keep the children in the home longer. Right. And it actually, it strengthens our community. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's why I have this passion to help um, just to give the parents a break. Okay. Yeah. And it is so, that is so critical, Um, you know, different times uh, in my marriage, um, you know, definitely the children create stressors that you never think of when, when you're dating, you know, when you're in that courtship phase or the honeymoon phase. Um, so I appreciate your candor around that. And so out of a little bit of personal experience and a lot of community connecting and awareness, that's what led you to establish special needs respite. Yeah, it's very, it's a very lonely place. And I did experience that because with confidentiality, the way it is, when we would get called in for our teacher conference, it was like, they never said, well, you know, we've got several kids with this problem. No, yeah. it was your child is a yeah. problem. Your child needs this. Um, and it was just so frightening and scary. And I was like, what's going to happen? Is my child going to ever fit in? Yeah. And so I met someone who's, brought me to a support group. I listened to all these ladies and I was like, these ladies need respite care. If I ever get to the point where my kids are independent, I'm going to (laughs) help. And look at you now. Okay. So we, we, both of us have used the term respite care. So let's learn more about what that actually is and what special needs respite does. And you previously mentioned your experience with babysitters. It's it's not quite that simple, is it? What you do, you some of the cases, I'm sure, are very complex. You have to ensure that everyone, the family members, as well as the um, children, youth, young adults, um, could be that everyone feels comfortable with the respite arrangements. So so let's talk programming, Stacy. What okay. where's the magic? Um, um, I would like to start with um, what is respite care, just real quick, because a lot of people don't know what that means. Um, We usually think of it when a senior citizen needs in-home health, but it can be anytime you give a break to a caregiver that has to be 24-7, you know, on duty. For example, if your mother had Alzheimer's and you have to watch her because you don't want her leaving the house, you don't want her to try to cook, all that stuff, it, it wears you out. So mm-hmm. we're talking here about a special needs child that might, they call it elope, leave the house, um, mm-hmm. might flush things down the toilet, um, oh, you know, wow. all kinds of, of, of situations that it just happens in a second, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so what we want to do is provide some care that would give the parents a break. So I said that already, and I'm sorry, but 
What we do is we let the parents pick the caregiver. Okay. 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 What that means is if they already have a caregiver, um, special needs respite is a funding source. So okay. we pay the caregiver. We, uh, we tell the parents that they get this much money and they can spend it all in one weekend mm-hmm. or they can spend it a couple different times within three months. And then okay. after three months, they can reapply. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's like having this little budget for respite care. And just an aside, it's amazing how people will take care of themselves last. Oh, yeah. The old. They'll mm-hmm. do anything for their kids. Right. But when you say, okay, this money is for going out. They're like, uh, I don't even know what we do. We haven't yeah. been out since junior was born. Right. What would we talk about? What would we do? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, so by giving them this, you know, you can only spend it on respite, it kind of mm-hmm. encourages them to do that. And then yeah. once they do it, it's like, look out, they are hooked. It is so fun to watch them, how excited they get um, to be able to know that they can go out if they need to. So um, we, we um, let the parents choose the caregiver. Okay. Um, if I was to um, if someone does not have a caregiver, yeah. then we refer them to another company. And that company has the, you know, the standards of they have to have CPR, first aid and a background check. Okay. And then um, we actually, I mean, they would introduce the family to the child and the parents, and then the parents can educate, train, mm-hmm. you know, this is what he does. So if he says this, this is what it means, um, you know, mm-hmm. and what's really cool about doing in-home respite is the parents already have all these special locks on the doors or some kind of um, system with the cabinets so that Mm -hmm. junior won't get into the cookies or whatever. So there's a a safe environment is what I'm Mm -hmm. saying. Um, And of course the child is the most comfortable there, which can be good or bad depending (laughs) on how much he likes to test you. Excellent. I'm glad that you referenced both when a family has um, somebody that they already know and trust, a caregiver, but then families, I'm sure um, there's some that, you know, maybe for the first several years in their child's life, they have literally never gone out by themselves. And so, and they haven't had the opportunity to build up their own list of preferred caregivers. So it's wonderful that you can make a warm introduction to people who are already vetted, who have not only skills, but also a heart and, you know, compassion to to do this sort of work. So you mentioned an application process. Um, So that's how families like get into the mix is that they go to your website, they call you all of the above. Yes. No, just the website. That's the fastest way to do it. If you call me, I'm going to put it on the back of my Kroger slip and never get the phone call. But it's one of my goals was to make it easy because Mm -hmm. anybody in the special needs community knows that every application is so long, so detailed. Um, If you wanted to get Medicaid, for example, it takes at least a year if someone's working on it full time to fill Mm -hmm. out the application. Um, And it's counterintuitive. People have to take classes on how to fill it out. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to change. Okay. I was like, I want this to be easy, very mm-hmm. simple. Anybody can get through it. And so it's, it's very basic. And um, one of the things we ask is, you know, do you have any other funding and mm-hmm. do you have the now waiver? 
Okay. okay. And if they say, no, we don't have it because we're on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. Those are the people I really want to help because there's okay. over 7,000 families on the waiting list, just waiting for the funding. Yeah. Medicaid. So I'd like to be able to help those people. And then the, the second most popular answer is I can't understand it. Okay. And so, so there are people that you just give up. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they're already working two jobs and they don't have time to fill out an application. And so this one, I've been told, I have testimonials that, um, <laughs> that moms that are right there in front of their computer, maybe they work from home or they work at night because their child doesn't need them at mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. And they have gone on our website and finished that application within 20 minutes. Oh, wow. That's quite a difference than the, yeah, going through the Georgia Gateway or whatever that portal is for Medicaid and other social support services. Right. And then, so it comes to you. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of review and um, confirmation process. And yeah. then, yeah. Um, I mean, sadly, you probably can't meet all the needs that are out there, but your organization, I think has really grown a lot over the last um, few years, right? Yes. Yes. This is our sixth year. And, um, and I love the fact that when somebody gets an application, the first person that looks at it is my single mom who has a special needs child, who is our admin assistant. And then she goes through it. And then if she approves it, then another single mom uh, looks at it and says, yes, this person looks like they, you know, they really need, they don't have any mm-hmm. other funding and they mm-hmm. need respite care. Then we have a third mom that um, actually meets with the family. They okay. either go to the house or they do, you know, a visual like we're doing right now mm-hmm. where they get to see, you know, what the family home is like, just to, just to make sure that they're, you know, not living higher than most <laughs> <laughs> I like to joke if they're not, their house is nicer than mine, then they- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that they are who they say they are, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'll go into this more later, but um, I know most most organizations, they want a copy of their tax, uh, your tax return. Yes. And I have found through experience that that is not a clear picture of how much income gets spent you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when you have a special needs child, it is like this drain on the finances, yes. the, the energy and the mental mm-hmm. stress is mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. It's not only the financial cost, I'll, I'll use the term burden. I mean, no child is a burden, but there are lots of responsibilities that come with that. But then there's also the, the non-financial um, toll that it does play, that it does take on family members and primary caregivers, whether you've used the term mom a lot. And I think I don't have any empirical data, but I'm going to guess a lot of that burden does fall on the on the mother or the primary female caregiver in these situations. Yes, Irene, unfortunately, um, a, ch- a family with a special needs child has like an 80% chance of um, having a divorce. Yeah, so that destroys the family. It it's, makes all this stuff inconsistent for the child. They have two homes. They have to mm-hmm. you know, do all the adjusting that um, a, a typical child would have trouble with. But yes. with a special needs child, they really need consistency and, you know, have 
have things that they know that they can count on. Yes. Right. But um, yeah, a lot of times it ends up in divorce and the beauty of divorce is that you get every other weekend off. (laughs) I guess that is. Yeah. So that can be helpful if your husband or your, you know, ex is able to take care of the child. Yes. Isn't always true. Sometimes, especially with a special needs child, um, if that other person just doesn't feel like they can handle that person, yeah. then it, then it's back on to one one family member. All and, the um, time. Yeah, yeah, I could say a lot about that, but I will stop. Okay, but yeah, <laughs> I can definitely see where the the ex partner I'll just use that um, might be unwilling or unable. Um, Stacy, I earlier in our conversation referenced um, intellectual and developmental disabilities. Do you have any um, situations that you just um, don't take or do most of the families that you support and specifically the children that you support, do they have IDD? Well, this goes back to the point that we do not have caregivers. All right. We pay for care. So if the family can find a behavior specialist Mm -hmm. that will stay with them, we will pay that person. Okay. 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 So, so we don't have to, um, to really be in charge of that, but I will admit that, you know, when the, especially adolescent boys start, Mm -hmm. um, you know, getting that testosterone growing, they become combative. It's very hard, especially for a single mom to handle that kind of stuff. And that's, that's also why I want to support the family is Mm -hmm. because if she does know she can get a break and get some kind of services, then she gets, she's better rested. Yeah. She can make better decisions. Right. And she can face another day. day. Yeah. She can hang in there um, another yeah. day or two. Like if you know that Saturday's coming and you're going to go get your hair done and go grocery shopping. I mean, even, you know, just to be able to do that by yourself without worrying or stressing. Um, right. Yeah. And, and I do keep saying she, because that is a, it's kind of a typical scenario, but I will yeah. say that one of our, our biggest supporters is a gentleman who unfortunately mm-hmm. his wife passed away okay. and we were able to come alongside him and he, he has done videos for us. We have mm-hmm. tons, well, not tons, but we have at least five or six videos oh. on YouTube. If you uh-huh. went to specialneedsrespite.org or it's just special needs respite on YouTube, okay. you see um, a variety, you know, we have this, some fathers, some mothers, some couples, all giving their testimony of how having a break has changed their yeah. attitude. Yeah, their lives, um, for sure. Wow. I love that. Well, we will definitely drop that in the show notes. I want to, in a second, talk about how people can get involved. But before we go there, we've talked a lot about children and and youth. But do you also support families that have um, adults with um, disabilities or special needs? Well, since we started, when we started, it was 18 and under, but now we've raised it to 25 and under. Okay. Yeah. And I know the need is... There's such a great need. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, but the the thing is, is that after 18, they're supposed to be able to get 
social security, disability. Mm -hmm. And um, because it doesn't just happen magically, you know, parents get caught off guard. Oftentimes, you know, that their child turns 18, they have to go through guardianship, which is a whole court thing. And then Mm -hmm. they, you know, apply for the the disability. So we've kind of trying to give them a couple years to get in place. Yeah. But I do know that there is quite a need out there, especially for, uh, you know, adult day programs, Mm -hmm. uh, which we, we just give enough for people to go out on the weekend. Sure. You need an adult day program. Uh, Our, our scholarship probably isn't big enough. I will. Yeah. But I'm sure you know who's doing that in the community and can make referrals if needed. And um, so the the community is is pretty tight knit, I think, um, that supports people with special needs. Yes, so, you just need to know where to go. And yeah, give a plug yeah. for my friend Jillian, because that's where I send everybody that has okay. an older child or if they have a need that doesn't include respite. Yes. Um, and Jillian, who you referred to, um, and her husband, Anthony Palmiato, are the founders of Together We Care, and they are collaborative members. We did a podcast with them several months ago. So thank you. And I remember the conversation with Jillian about developing that life plan and how they can help um, families as well as the individual with the special needs or disability to develop that life plan. Wonderful. Well, Stacy, you referenced um, a couple of people, um, you know, who support you. Um, of course, you have your families, but all of this in nonprofit world takes um, stakeholders. It takes board members and volunteers and donors and all of that. So how can people learn more? How can they get involved? How can they support special needs respite? I know this is not an original answer, but it is so true. <laughs> My husband has put everything on the website. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, everybody says, oh, I don't want to go looking at a website. I say that because I get lost clicking, but it has our vision. It has our mission. It has our 501c3 information. It has how many people we've helped. It has um, all our board members, pictures and what they do, things like that. Uh-huh. Um, of course, we're we're trying, you know, it's only our sixth year. So we are building up to show our financials and how much, you know, goes to programming and we're doing everything we can to raise awareness, like your, mm-hmm. I, your iPod, <laughs> your podcast. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for letting me um, speak on this because um, every time somebody listens, there's a chance that somebody it'll strike their heart and they'll really want to be involved. And that's what we need. Um, We have some excellent advisory board members that that have a heart for it. But like you said, fundraising is a really difficult thing. I I started out because I love a party. So I love having (laughs) dinner dances and stuff like that. What our next thing coming up is a golf tournament. And I'm so excited because we got an October date, which October is the most beautiful month in Georgia, as you yes. know. And so I'm hoping that that's going to draw a lot of golfers. But at the same time, that's just two different events. Mm-hmm. We have to have a consistent year round income. So we also have something called Hello Donor. And it's a program where you can do a change up. If you put your credit card that you always use, you know, yes, on, on that program, then if you 
spend, you know, $2.50, then you actually pay $3 and we get 50 cents. Oh, how and when nice. I say we, I mean, it goes to the family. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that's something we really need is a more consistent year round um, donation schedule. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the big events are wonderful. Yes, they, they raise money and they raise awareness. So if I each one brings one, then we get the word out. But yeah. um, it also needs to be consistent so that we don't have to have wait lists. Right. And, you know, here I am. I'm always telling people there's a wait list. 7,000 families are on the way. Um, na- yeah. <laughs> and now I have a wait list. So I'm so oh. sad about that. <laughs> well, at least it's not 7,000. And if we're right. in several funders, yeah, it's, it it's more like 15. Pretty- but it's to me, that still breaks my heart that 15 people are waiting. Um, yeah. But I guess the, the good news is that we've got the process in place so that when you know, Bill Gates or somebody big um, <laughs> realizes that, you know, this is something that isn't, that has touched them. Mm-hmm. We're ready. Mm-hmm. All we need is the funding and we can help. And my goal is all of Metro Atlanta is to, you know, and by that, I mean, you know, we're just funding. So we're not sending people, but there are caregivers around each area and, you know, people have their own and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think, the funding is what um, is really lacking because, like I said before, the finances are drained from therapies, medical issues, yeah. um, even even medic meds. You know, that yeah, right. Kids are right. on to manage their behavior or whatever. Yeah, um, I think. That- well, and, um, and I I know that this impacts a person's uh, um, employment possibilities. Like you are not going to be able to hold certain jobs that might be more higher paying because exactly. you, you just can't make that commitment. Um, Cause you've got commitments at home that a person has to take care of. Right. So yeah. if there's a husband and wife, they both had corporate jobs. Now one of them has to go to part-time or they yeah. have to work from home mm-hmm. and like you said, yeah. that, that cuts the income. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then a lot of times that it'll be, um, one of them decides to just focus on the kids and taking mm-hmm. them to all the appointments. Mm-hmm. Then if the marriage crumbles, then one of them has been out of the workforce for a while. So then yeah. they have to reintegrate. And those are all, you know, tough adjustments when you're trying yeah. to help someone, um, regulate their emotions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? You've already got one person in the family that's dysregulated. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Stacy, you have obviously in the um, not only in the six years um, that since founding Special Needs Respite, but really in your whole career, I know have encountered just so many um, parents, um, family members who are doing this twenty four seven. Um, hopefully with your support, maybe that becomes, um, you know, more like 12-7 or 16-7 for at least one week. Can you share with our listeners, what's one thing that surprises you or that you would want our listeners to know about those family members who are in this day in and day out? Hmm. Well, one of the things that I think people don't realize is that it's, it's just people like you and me. 
Yeah. Okay. It's not somebody that hasn't taken advantage of their education or somebody that doesn't want to work. It's people like you and me that have worked hard their whole life. And now all of a sudden they don't fit in anymore. They don't fit mm. into the workplace because they have yeah. to leave all the time. And yeah. you know, it doesn't go over well with the boss Right. And at church. That's another thing is, you know, they get called to the nursery. I, we can't handle your child. You're going to have yeah. to take them back. So then they can't, they lose their church family. Oh yeah. Right. I know I've seen things like if you sign up your child for um, the local recreation, um, the recreation programs mm-hmm. <laughs> and junior does not comply with the rules. You're going to get kicked out of that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, um, yeah, I guess my biggest thing is just for people to realize that there are people right now that are in a, such a dark place. mm -hmm. Um, I, I like to use the example of sleep deprivation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everybody probably can relate to being sleep deprived either when you were in college and you were pulling all nighters, or maybe you got, when you got a new baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So imagine what if that baby never grows gets up. out of that cycle. Yeah. It is always screaming and mm. you can't figure out why because mm-hmm. they can't communicate it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's enough to put a gun to your head mm. and that is happening in mm-hmm. Metro Atlanta. Yeah. Sadly, I've seen some stories about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a mother will kill their child and then turn the gun on themselves because they can't handle life without the child, but they can't handle life with the child, with the either. child either. Yeah. There truly seems to be no alternative. No, right. which is why um, somebody like you and your organization is so important to give that spark of hope. And you are really somebody that is establishing a connection with them. If, you know, they have lost other connections in the community, you um, might be the bridge that gets them back, um, you know, connected with others in the community. And then if you're able to refer them on to Together We Care or other places, you're, you are helping them to integrate back into the community. Well, what I always tell people, and, you know, they do con- contact me and, and sometimes they're in a very dark place, but I feel like it is really getting better. I mean, there mm-hmm. was a time when nobody even knew what this was, you know, it was just, this child is out of control. Yeah. Send him home. I know like with my grandfather, he was like, well, we'll just send him back to the farm and let him dig, you know, dig the dirt. And yeah. there was never a solution. The family just, you know, and now we're, it's so different with, you know, our public school system, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and great other organizations like Tommy Nobis has started the Academy and other things like that, that are really, I feel like value, valuing um, everyone and treating them with dignity and saying, you know, there are options. Um, And I know that that doesn't work for everybody, but you know, that, yeah. Well, and an example might be, you know, the, the um, adult daycare. I think Mm -hmm. that people are catching on that this is going to be a real need and, um, a lot more people are opening adult um, daycare situations, whether it be mm-hmm. a neighborhood that they're they're building a whole program, or whether they're just going to um, invest in a home mm-hmm. and hire caregivers. It's two. Okay, wonderful. 
Well, Stacey, as our time together draws to a close, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to share or speak to? Well, one of the issues that that kind of surprised me was that um, that adoption has changed so much over the years. Mm -hmm. um, my husband wouldn't mind telling you that he's adopted okay. and he had a wonderful childhood. In fact, we've met his biological parents and let's just say he was blessed <laughs> to, <laughs> to be in an adopted home. Okay. But um this is one of the examples when I first started is that we thought we were going to be looking at tax um, returns mm -hmm. and this family, uh, these, the parents adopted from Russia, mm -hmm. they were probably in their fifties when they decided to do this. They had never had children. Okay. So just the adoption process was like two, $300,000. Oh and my goodness. Then it was a, you know, a special needs child. So there's okay. a lot of stuff that they needed testing and therapy, mm -hmm. et cetera. And so um, what I was surprised is, is that the father made over six figures, mm -hmm. but if you consider all the expenses, plus the fact that he had been laid off for the last six months, that tax return wasn't really a clear picture oh, of what this family yeah. was going through. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mentioned to you before we went on the air that um, there's, there's a lot of talk about child trafficking now. Yeah. And for me, I, I want to know how I can help. What can uh -huh. I do? Um, you know, I'm certainly not going to be able to go down to Honduras and do hand-to-hand -hand combat like <laughs> Tim Ballard, but there's going to be a whole flux of children that have been rescued and okay. they need therapy. And then mm -hmm. many of them are from war torn countries and they are orphans. Yeah. You can see that if you watch any of the videos of Tim Ballard on, on YouTube as well. So what, what's going to happen with those children? People are going to, I hopefully they'll be adopted. Hopefully and then we need to be there to support them because all those children are going to be post-traumatic stress. Yes. All the things that go along with, you know, the child abuse, not being able to trust adults, all that. Right. right. So, um, so I think that's something that we can all consider, mm -hmm. not just the adoption part, but supporting people that do adopt. Right. Making sure that we're not, um, that we're sliding over in the pew at church to welcome that family in, right? Or... Um, or at Temple or, or somewhere else or um, in a restaurant, you know, not when you hear a child going, having a meltdown, not, you know, saying something to the waiter or complaining to the manager, but understanding that family is doing the very best that they can. And they thought maybe that this was going to be a nice evening and to give mom or the primary cook a break, <laughs> right, and go out. So, yeah. My yeah. husband and I, um, you know, before we became parents, when we used to fly places, we'd say um, kind of jokingly or sarcastically, like, you know, as the plane pushed back, cue crying baby. And then when um, you're a parent, you're like, um, and then you hear a baby crying, you're like, oh, I wonder if there's something I can do to help, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you, you empathize with what that family is going through. Um, and I think if we could just all carry a nugget of that around during our day and extend a, a warm smile and a, a welcoming hand or, or something offer to, you know, entertain the other child, something um, to make a family, all of the family members feel valued and, and loved and that they're a part of the community. 
I wish everybody had your attitude, Irene, because <laughs> wow. you are, you're right, on, nail on the head, head on the nail, head nail on the head. <laughs> um, yeah, we often see what we think is a child that needs a spanking. Yeah. And that is not the case. You do not know the story behind it. And um, that's, that's the way you're thinking. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel confident that most of our listeners feel the same way. So listeners, um, give grace, extend grace, and um, let's all be kind to each other. Well, Stacy, it has just been a delight to spend time with you today to learn more about special needs respite and to learn about some other things that may be impacting our community as we all look to improve outcomes for children and families, not only here in Cobb County um, and Metro Atlanta, but really across the globe. So thank you so much for what you do day in and day out, giving hope and connection to families. Um, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Irene. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. To be sure that you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe to our Mind Your Mind podcast. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. Tune in next time as we continue to empower and engage our community through conversations about important and critical issues that our community members are dealing with. Until next time, please stay well. And remember, there is no health without mental health.